This is episode 19 of the Inner Game of Aging podcast. Welcome to the Inner Game of Aging podcast, helping you to discover how to be older without growing old. And here's your host, turning this whole idea of aging upside down, Lee Mowat. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us again on the Inner Game of Aging podcast. This is episode 19. Way back in episode 13, I offered what I consider to be the six key elements of maintaining a healthy, energetic, and engaged life. These were, if you recall, our exercise, our food, our water, our sleep, our self-esteem, and our stress control. If we could successfully manage these six elements of our lives, we would find ourselves much closer to our true potentials than we do today. Now, we all struggle with these things, so I wanted to dedicate individual podcast episodes to each of these elements. I wanted to share with you how I personally relate to each of these keys in my life. You will see that I am not perfect and many times cannot even be considered to be a good model of excellence that I aspire to be. Nonetheless, my thoughts may give you insight, answers, or solutions that you might be able to use in your life. And expressing my thoughts in this venue often gives me a chance to hear and learn from my own thinking. I know that sounds funny, but it is true. For today, I would like to share my thinking on exercise and fitness. Now, if you listen closely, you might hear in this episode answers to questions like, well, why we should do exercise, why it might be difficult to do, how to interpret all the information that's out on the internet simply by knowing who you are, and how you might begin an exercise habit if you don't already have one. I will also share with you the struggles that I have in these areas. What, you say? Lee Mowat struggles in the area of exercise? I will be giving you the concepts, principles, and good advice as I know them, but I will also share with you the struggles I have in following all of this good advice. But it's not just general exercise that you I will be chatting about today. In addition to adding my own stories, I want to specifically look at exercise as it relates to us in our 60s, 70s, and 80s and beyond. While this may only be one man's opinion, I have been researching in this area for a very long time and have been able to achieve some degree of results for myself. It is up to you to judge whether those results come from who I am or, as I would prefer to think, because of the information that I will share with you during this episode. This episode has a lot of information in it and it is all hard to retain while you are casually listening in your car or whatever you may be doing while hearing this. So, the show notes page has been set up to review the key points of what is being discussed here today. The show notes page will also contain a few other features that you will hear about during the episode and will also give you a place to leave your feedback and comments. 
And as usual, you can find the show notes page for this episode at innergameofaging.com forward slash IGA19. And of course, this follows my normal URL pattern for finding any of the show notes page for, for any episode of this podcast. That pattern, as you know by now, is innergameofaging.com followed by forward slash followed by IGA and then the episode number. In this case, it's 19. You already know that the IGA stands for Inner Game of Aging. So let's get into our discussion for today. Most people know me as a rather fit individual at the age of 66, but it wasn't always this way. I was born an identical twin, so I started off having to share in things like my height, my strength, my good looks. I had to share all of that with my twin brother, and I was compromised from the very beginning, whereas most of us don't have to share these things. I was always very short and skinny as a young lad, and I hated being skinny. At 12 years old, I would always dream about being a strong superhero with superpowers. I had this imagination that had me flying around the world, rescuing people from danger, and this was my inner world at that time. Of course, I had other superpowers as well. As I hit my teens, it was my powers of x-ray vision that became more important to me, for obvious reasons. At 15, I had the good fortune of stumbling on my high school gymnastics team. From there, a whole world had opened up to me. Over the next few years on that team, gymnastics became a major part of my life. I competed in various parts of the country, both in high school and in college. I became the captain of the team in both high school and college as well. At 17, something strange happened to me. I busted out in muscles all over throughout my body, and the rest is history. Since that time, I've had a regular routine of exercise throughout most of my life. There was a three-year period where I didn't work out at all around the time when my first child, my daughter, was born. But beyond that, I've had regular routines of exercising here and there, and it's always been in my life, probably because of my experiences as a youth, not wanting to be skinny, dreaming about superheroes, and my experiences on my high school and college gymnastics team. Most of us did not start out exercising in this manner with such an athletic background in high school and college. The majority of us were not high school or college athletes. And those of us that were, we've long since left that behind. But at this point, everyone should be in tune with the importance of exercise or physical activity in our lives. If you Google the need for exercise for older people, that phrase, the search results page that you get back is filled with convincing titles that show a wide range of benefits that we all get from physical activity. 
it starts to appear that exercise is the one miracle drug that has been repeatedly discovered over and over again in our modern medicine. Our culture seems to be coming from a place where we have been conditioned to see exercise only as a form of weight loss. The more significant factor in the American tonnage is our nutrition, but that's for another episode. There are so many more benefits that occur for us before we even lose a single pound due to exercise. I put together a short list of the benefits that physical activity brings us. Let me read these things to you. We get increased mental capacity. We get disease prevention. We improve our healing. And of course, we improve the quality of life. We increase our balance. We have added longevity. There's better mood and improved immune functions, increased bone density, and mental health benefits. What more can you ask for? This is the miracle drug. And this was all brought home to me personally on October 13th, 2004, where I met with my now famous accident. It's only famous because I have made it so and I've talked about it so much. But on that day, I never made it home. I had a very serious accident and I would not see my home for at least another month. I didn't know that. I was told by the doctors that if I was not in the shape that I was in, that I probably would have died, and that my fitness played a critical role in the way that I recovered. You never know when you're going to be fighting for your life, either in reality or symbolically. And the stronger you are when that time comes, the better you will fare. As I age, my need for exercise changes. For one, my vanity changes as I age. Let me explain what I mean by that. As a younger man, I was much more concerned about my looks and my appearances than I am now at 66. And my vanity was a strong motivation for me to work out. Now, I am still fairly vain, and I advocate and promote vanity as one of the ways of keeping us young. Vanity has its purpose, but mm, my vanity is just simply not the same. It's not based on the same things as it was when I was 35 and 40, and this is reflected in my routines for exercise and my frequency for exercise. Another factor is, well, my joints. A 66-year-old joints are not as forgiving as 35- and 40-year-old joints are. Quite recently, in the past three years, I've endured an Achilles injury, shoulder injuries, ankle injuries, and I have long recovery periods after intense workouts. These are some of the reasons why my workouts have changed because of my greater tendency toward injury, having to adapt ex- exercises that don't put me at risk as much, yet still produces the strength increases, the flexibility, and all the other stuff I need. Another 
way that my exercise has changed as I've aged is my need for rest. This has become a bit more obvious to me. I must rest more than I did when I was younger. As an older man, I cannot work out five, six, sometimes even seven times a week as I did when I was younger. I must take my time for rest. But this is a good thing because my focus on working out has changed. It doesn't, it takes up a lot of time and that rest is time that I can use away from the gym for productive purposes. So I don't bemoan that change, not at all. In fact, I now enjoy the fact that I need rest in order to take advantage of the workouts that I still do. So, if we all know the importance of physical activity, why don't we embrace it more easily in our lives? This is more of a complicated question than it seems. We've all heard of the, what I call the official reasons why we don't exercise enough. Uh, Things like, I don't have enough time to exercise. I think exercise is boring and difficult to do. I'm self-conscious about how I look. Or I'm too tired after work or something like that. And then there's the more honest official reason saying, I'm simply too lazy to exercise. But let's look beneath the surface of these reasons. There is more going on here, and I'd like to uncover it. Lots of times, the problem of not exercising is not in trying to gain discipline or motivation. The issues could be in the areas of the rules we use for exercising or the expectations we're trying to follow. These could be a bit unrealistic for ourselves. When we bite off more than we can chew, burnout is almost always the result. I've experienced this so many times in my life. We are all individuals and our exercise should therefore be individualized. Our triggers and motivations are all different. Mine is different from yours. So what motivates me may not motivate anyone else. And furthermore, to complicate it more, our motivations change as we get older. There is a part in all of us, in some it is large, in others it is small, that is subconsciously triggered to protect us from experiencing such things as pain, anger, frustration, rejection, disappointment, or negative judgment. Those individuals who have this element to a large degree will find extra hardships in doing what we all know is needed. For the most part, we may not be aware that this mechanism has been triggered in us. I can see this mechanism in my own practice and working out. Now, as you know, I am often looked upon and gawked at when I work out because of the ways in which I work out. People are often impressed with what I do, and I've grown quite used to that. To the point that whenever I'm practicing something new, I practice in private. Why? Because I know if I'm practicing out in the open, everyone's looking at me, and I want them to see the best that 
I have to offer. I don't want them to see me fall down, struggle, cry, not do the stuff that I should be able to do, get frustrated. Yes, I go through all this stuff as I'm learning new skills, new stunts, or trying new things. But I try to practice in private, mainly to keep an image about me of what people see. So like a photographer who only shows you her best pictures, I will only show my best stunts. When I'm capable of doing what I'm trying to do, then it's ready for practice in the public arena or in the public gym. So this mechanism plays in me as well, and I prefer not to be subjected to criticism or however you want to phrase that. In any reason that you have for not exercising or not developing the habit, try to be kind to yourself. Try not to talk badly to yourself. Try to understand more deeply why you might be failing to start or not following through or falling off your self-determined path. Understanding these things more deeply rather than castigating yourself or telling yourself you're lazy or lack discipline, you know, understand yourself, have compassion with yourself. You will dig into the problem if you want to solve the problem. Many times, it is how we think of exercise that is our primary problem. Our own relationship to exercise and physical activity could be where our difficulties lie. One of the things that I've noticed is that we refer to exercise as exercise. Now, how else should we, should we be referring to exercise? Well, for me, it seems that exercise is physical activity and physical, physical activity is life. Fitness isn't life. Physical activity is life. For example, when we go to the gym, we try to gain strength as just one of the many examples. Well, when we gain strength in the gym, we have more strength for our lives to pursue the challenges that we face in our everyday life. We also try to gain balance and endurance. These are life characteristics that can be developed in the gym. An athlete has a personality around him that is evident on and off the field or court. When we work out, in fact, working out is almost like an artificial situation. We have to go someplace like the gym to work out. When physical activity is what life is all about, physical activity produces the quality of life that we all seek. So, Part of the problem of our exercise is how, what we believe about exercise. It is not something that we have to set aside some time to do, it's, or it's grueling, or it is what living is all about. When seen that way, it's, our exercise becomes different. Our exercise is part of our life. It's part of our lifestyle. And it's not really exercise as much as physical activity. We lead a fairly active life or a sedentary life. It's a lifestyle choice that we make. So in our lifestyle habits, we 
there is inherently a level of physical activity or exercise that supports that lifestyle. And as noted, the higher physical activity we have in our life, the more we benefit from that in multitudes of ways. But our motivation to maintain a fitness, a fitness level can sometimes ebb and flow. We can lose the motivation for such a wide variety of reasons. We may have our goals set too high. Our expectations may be out of line. We may be following the wrong advice, or we may be looking at things incorrectly as we try to work out. I recall trying to learn a particular stunt on the rings that all the young guys were doing, and they all assumed I could do it as well. But in truth, I couldn't. They didn't know that. I was practicing this stunt in private, as I mentioned before, and I was meeting with a lot of frustration because for some reason or other, I just could not get the hang of this particular stunt. It was a question of strength or maybe coordination, or maybe there was something I just didn't understand. So what I finally did, I got frustrated and I broke down this stunt into its subcomponents. Each movement that comprised the stunt, I decided to perfect each of the subcomponents. So after breaking it down and practicing each of the subcomponents of this move for mm, over a month or two on each one, it all started to come together eventually. By breaking it down in this manner, I had essentially reduced my expectation for what was happening at each session of practice. So I would focus a session of practice on one sub-skill that would be important in mastering the total movement. By breaking it down again, I was able to see where the practice was needed and those places where I could skip through a little bit. So by reducing the expectation, I maintained my motivation to keep learning this stunt. One of the tricks I use to maintain a motivation of for working out is what I call doing a little bit better, or I refer to it as the concept of better. We make a game out of it, and all we try to do to win this game is to either match or beat what we have done before. The only competitor is ourselves and our past performance. We strive today to become a little bit better than what we were yesterday. We are not comparing ourselves to anything else. This concept of better has really helped me in many, many places. I've, I reason that if I lift 100 pounds today, then what stops me from lifting 101 pounds in two days from now? And after that, what stops me from lifting 102 or 103? It doesn't have to be large gains, just as long as it's gains. We are still moving in the right direction. I saw my wife use this concept one time. She had been swimming and, you know, she had taken to swimming because of some joint problems that she had. Swimming was so much easier for her. But she found it boring. Or so that was my interpretation of the comments that she made to me. And then one day she said to me, 
I finished 10 laps today. I felt nothing about that. Yes, you finished 10 laps. But the next day, she said to me, today I did 11. Two days later, she said, I'm up to 13 laps. And I knew she was onto something. She was making a game of her own progress. She was competing with herself. She's done X amount of laps. How many more can she do today? If it's zero, well, at least she hasn't gone back. But when she's able to add another lap, she celebrates. This game that we make of our exercise can be a very important tool for keeping us motivated. And as you seek your fitness, remember, you are an individual. What goes on with you is unique, apart from what goes on with anyone else. Of course, we are all human beings and can be held to some sort of human being standard. You know, we're not lions or birds or anything else. We can't do the things that those animals can do. We are held by human standards, but we are still individuals within those human standards. Any measurement or standard that you use that represents an entire population should be used with much suspicion. For example... I, for those who know me, they might be surprised to know that I am labeled as obese by my doctor. Why am I obese? Well, my doctor refuses to use anything other than a BMI to measure the level of obesity of his patients. I have tried to help him understand that BMI does not work for certain body types. It is not an accurate measure for yeah, to understand how much fat you have on your body for certain body types, like mine. Now, because of my body type, heavily muscled, that sort of stuff, BMI tells a somewhat inaccurate story. And that story is what my doctor has bought. So on my medical charts, I have found the word obese in there, in his notes based on my BMI. Of course, I've challenged this and um, suggest that if he wants to get a true measure of how obese I am, that he should do a fat composition test rather than just look at BMI, which is inaccurate for my body type. We have to be careful of looking at standardized numbers that represent entire populations rather than just us as individuals. If you are trying to lose weight, for example, how much should you weigh? How much do you weigh? Is this good or bad? Well, a mirror will tell you all of these things. If you are not pleased by what you see in the mirror, there's only one direction for you to go based on that image. When the image in the mirror starts to please you a little bit more, well, you know you're moving in the right direction. But to take the finite measurements that a scale is capable of and endure the ups and downs of that is can be rather daunting and exhausting, actually. I prefer to just look in the mirror to see how my weight is coming along. And I can check out this and check out that and admire or cringe as I care to.
have decided to start exercising and we want to start getting on that fitness path, what types of exercises should we be doing? There are four types of exercises and physical activities. There's cardio. Cardiovascular exercise is anything that gets your heart rate up and makes you feel sweaty and puts more oxygen pumping through your blood. There's also strength training. Strength training is any exercise that helps the different muscles of your body become stronger and more powerful. There is flexibility training. These exercises are designed to increase the range of motion in our joints. And especially important as we get older, there is the balance training that we do. Exercises that fall into this category strengthen the muscles that keep us upright, and they include a lot of leg and core muscles. These balance exercises use instability to force us to use muscles that are stabilizing the body during our movements. So with these four types of exercise, cardio, strength, flexibility, and balance, we should be experiencing each of these on a regular basis each week. Now, there has been a long-standing debate in the fitness circles as to which type of exercises produces the most health benefits. Well, recent research has confirmed that especially for older folks, strength training, while still incomplete all by itself, contains most of the health benefits that we are seeking. There's a little bit of everything in strength training, and it is extremely valuable, as research has shown us, for seniors and older people to engage in this sort of activity that builds power in the muscles to maintain balance, prevent falls, and to increase the quality of life. But it really all depends on the actual benefits you are seeking from your physical activity. For example, cardio fights stress and improves mood better than strength training does. Also, cardio is a stronger factor in increasing the length of your life, longevity, than strength training is. However, the repetitive nature of cardio puts serious pressure on the joints, ligaments, muscles, tendons, and the cartilage in between. So if your joints are compromised, cardio can be a challenge. The strength training becomes particularly valuable when you're trying to lose fat off your body. Believe it or not, and this is counterintuitive, strength training burns more calories in the body overall than cardio does. You see, when you are performing cardio exercise, you are indeed burning more calories than when you are lifting weights or doing any other strength training. However, when you stop doing cardio, you stop burning those calories. If you are doing strength training properly, you continue to burn calories from that strength training session for almost a day, 48 hours afterwards, if you've done it properly. When all is said and done, you will lose more calories or burn more calories from your body by engaging in strength training than you will engaging in cardio. Remember, Strength training, strength training has the body recovering for long periods of time. 
This is especially true as I get older. And this recovery period is a period of burning calories for recovery. While cardio does not burn those calories, those kinds of calories post-workout. Strength training is also feeds into our vanity a bit more. We look better with strength training. I'm not saying we don't look good with cardio training or anything else like that, but given my choice, I'd rather have big muscles than fast muscles. And especially as I get older, the need for speed seems to be hitting my lifestyle less and less. One strong positive factor that speaks for strength training is the resistance to injury that we build up. The stronger we become, the more flexible we become, the more resistant we are to injury. Now, I've read this, and I am somewhat confused by this, because I know I engage in strength training quite a bit, and I know I hurt a lot, and I have become injured quite a bit over the past three years. I am constantly, as I mentioned before, injuring my ankle, my shoulder, or anything else. But then I tend to push things beyond where they should go. So maybe I'm not the model you should be using to determine that strength training gives us a resistance to injury. If you live a normal life, and I can't say I do at 66 years old, then your strength training will make you a lot more resistant to the bumps and bruises that life will almost always give you. But try not to forget that stretching when we exercise, whether we're doing cardio or strength, stretching becomes very important as we age. The inflexibility of muscles leaves us prone to minor injuries. So try to warm up and stretch those muscles before you start using them with any degree of intensity. And let's not leave out balance in our weekly regimen for exercise. Falls are very prevalent among older folks. Strength and balance training can go a long way in helping us not to fall or in protecting us when we do. And there are various tests around to assess your level of balance and strength in these areas. One test that they give seniors quite a bit, and this test goes for more than just balance, they ask you to stand on one leg and they time how long you can do so. This is a strange test, but it's very comprehensive. Not only does this test get to exercise your balance and test that, but it also reflects elements of the brain and its functioning as well. They realize that people with strokes that may not have realized that they've had strokes, mini strokes, they call them, will be unable to stand on one leg for any length of time. I tried this test myself. We know that I do handstands and other stuff like that. And we also know that I have a compromised foot. So on my good foot, I can stand there and balance quite adequately. But on my bad foot, I have a very difficult time standing and balancing. I only have three tendons on that foot as opposed to the normal four that stabilize that ankle. So when I was taking this test, I was unable 
to stand on that foot in a balanced manner. Now, this suggests that one, I have very poor balance. Two, I have something wrong with my brain because I may have had many strokes before or whatever have you, but something is impairing my ability to stand on this foot. The doctor who was administering this test became concerned until he realized my foot is extremely compromised. So instead of doing that balancing on the foot, I just did a headstand for him and then popped out a handstand and he was content that there was nothing wrong with me. So I clearly have my own balance issues and I won't make much recommendations here about what you might do for your balance training other than, well, yoga, tai chi, or anything that produces instability that you have to compensate for. You've seen these, what's called basu balls. They're like inflatable half domes. You stand on them and do exercises on them while you stand on them. Well, these are great to to increase your balance. If you were to just stand on these things or kneel down or do anything, lift weights on them, you will be doing yourself a big favor in increasing the balance that you have. But there are many ways to do this. This basu ball that I just mentioned, you'll find it at many gyms. I've seen them at all the gyms that I go to. And I recall seeing a rather spectacular scene when it comes to a basu ball. One evening, I was working out, and the gym was rather crowded. There were people around the place, and I prefer a less crowded environment, but especially these days. But in this crowd, there was this beautiful young woman who was doing yoga poses and watching herself in the mirror. I coun't see her entire body, but she had nice shoulders, nice face, and she looked very confident as she was doing yoga poses in the mirror. As I walked past her, I realized that these steady yoga poses, one-leg yoga poses that she was doing, was being done on a basu ball, those inflatable dome balls that I just made, just mentioned. When I saw that she was doing these poses as steady as she was, on, on this inflatable half ball, she transformed from a pretty young lady to a goddess. How can anyone be so stable on such an unstable device? It was impressive to me. For those of us who are not in a regular habit of physical activity, how do we begin? How do we start to embrace this kind of activity, lifestyle, whatever? Well, if you're just starting out on this path, there is the standard of advice of check with your doctor first. I add this because it is in everything I read. But I'm scratching my head here. If you are just experimenting with walking up a flight of stairs, surely you don't need a doctor's blessing to do that. 
However, if you're about to take on a routine that is so clearly more intense than anything you've been doing before, then such a sudden change would need to be monitored by you or someone else, a doctor. But by starting off small, you can usually skip telling the medical industry about your plans to see them less. But that doesn't answer the question of how to begin. Well, there is an old saying, you do what you can from where you are with what you have. In other words, start right where you are. There is no start that is too small to get you moving along a better track. Remember, think of exercise not as exercise, but as physical activity. Walking, running, lifting, all this stuff is physical activity. Standing around, you know, chatting with friends and anything is physical activity. As long as you are moving, you are performing physical activity. And the more you move, the better. If you are trying to embrace a new activity, skill, or sport, well, just simply begin. You don't have to buy a lot of equipment, especially at first. You want to get your feet wet. Just begin. If you want to start a new jogging or running routine, the smaller you start, actually, the better. And you can increase it from there. If you want to try a lifting or a strength training routine, the smaller you start, the better. And increase it from there. Anything you do, just dabble in it and increase it from there. Make a game of your increases. You are the only judge of what you are doing. All you're looking for is to go better than you did before. Not a lot better. Anything that's better than what you did before. As I mentioned before, if I lifted 100 pounds last week, surely this week I can lift 101. That's the direction I want to move in, and it doesn't matter how small that improvement is, as long as that improvement is there. If you are doing this right, that'll put, that improvement will be there week after week after week. Although, it'll be small each week, but over time, the gains will be big. One of the things that's important to take on this kind of approach is to monitor your progress so that you can play games with it. As I mentioned before, I mentioned my wife's swimming laps. When I saw her start to play games and increase her number and compete with herself, I knew she was onto something in terms of her own swimming. You can time your own walks, count your steps, add your weights, count your laps, or anything you want. One thing I used to do during my strength training sessions, I was lifting weights, and I would say that I would lift two tons during each weightlifting session. What, was it, what do I mean by lifting two tons? Well, I'd simply add up all the weights I was lifting over the course of an entire lifting session. I could be using 30 to 50 pounds on a curl. I could be lifting 100 pounds on a, on a squat. I could be doing, I just add them all up. And whenever that came out to be two tons, my day was over. It was 
a way of misleading myself and walking out of the gym with my chest pumped saying I lifted two tons today. Of course, it's a little bit misleading to say that without explanation, but I didn't mind. I knew what I meant. Although I don't own one, I can imagine that you might get a lot of benefit from the new wearable fitness trackers that people are having, like Fitbit and Blaze and some of the other stuff that I'm seeing. I haven't bought into these things just yet, but I can already see a lot of value in gamifying my fitness levels, in gamifying my workout sessions, in maintaining the motivation that I have to beat my own self. I have to say some words here about strength training if you are just starting a strength training regimen. If you are not familiar with it, strength training can be easily misunderstood. When we think of strength training, typically we think of heavy weights being, you know, banged to the floor with grunts and groans and big muscle guys staring down you and wanting to use your weights and all the rest of stuff. It could be that, but strength training doesn't have to be any of that at all. Strength training activities should be done maybe two to four times a week. Of course, I mentioned the need for rest, and especially when you're doing strength training, resting is very important. You will find the need to rest so much more when you're doing strength training than when you're doing any of the other forms of exercise. When you are starting your strength training exercises, you'll find that you get sore the next day. It's not unusual at all for you to feel sore for 24 hours after you finish a weight training, a weight training session. That's one of the reasons why you need to rest because your muscles are recovering. Strength training tears down the muscles at the, at the molecular level ever so slightly and you will feel a soreness as you recover and the muscles build back up stronger. This is where that calorie burn that I mentioned earlier comes from. Your muscles should recover for about 24 hours after you do a strength training session. However, if you are still feeling sore 36 to 48 hours after your strength training session, then you probably did too much and bit off more than you were able to chew. I would suggest backing it down. Feeling a healthy amount of soreness the next day is good, but feeling that soreness in a painful manner or having it last for more than two days, you're doing too much. You can also tell if you're not doing enough. If you don't feel your strength training session post-workout, then you probably haven't done enough. You should be able to feel some kind of subjective soreness in your muscles each time you encounter a strength session. And the stronger you get, the more effort it's going to take to produce this level of soreness that will let you know that things are still moving along in the right track. Generally speaking, if you're not working hard enough, regardless of the exercise you're doing, you won't see any impact on your level of fatigue, your ability to lift, or your ability to walk distances. You will have to do more and to stress yourself. Try to remember that true growth 
always occurs outside of our comfort zones. If you are very comfortable as you're exercising, I'm not talking about pain or extreme discomfort, but comfort should not be your primary concern as you are trying to grow stronger and fitter. I don't really subscribe to the no pain, no gain theory of exercise, especially as we get older. However, I do know that staying inside of our comfort zones is no place for us to grow. For me personally, most of my workouts are strength training sessions. I do cardio as well, and when I do, the music that's in my headphones plays a vital role to get me through these cardio sessions. The role of my music and my imagination is vital when I exercise. This is one of the ways that I keep my exercise fresh and fun for me, the music I put into my headphones. Now, I've made a recent discovery in the past year. I listen to all sorts of music in the gym. Since it's only me and the headphones, I can put on whatever I want. Sometimes I've even put on lectures. But in the past year, I've discovered a music genre that has really lifted me, so to speak. And this is cinematic movie trailer music. I have this wild imagination, as I mentioned in the beginning when I was talking about my X-ray vision superhero powers. This imagination has me imagining scenes as I listen to this music from movies and trailers that I've seen. I can imagine me just running up a hill, carrying 10 guys to safety, or just some other heroic feat that I'm training for. I can imagine me doing things that you only see in movies while this music is playing and I'm lifting or running or doing whatever I'm doing. The scenes that this music puts into my head is just thrilling to exercise to. I imagine these movie scenes of which I am the star with these bulging muscles and these long treks that go from continent to continent. The sky's the limit when I put on this music and I'm working out at the gym as to who I could be saving. And in fact, I see many women at the gym that I have ended up saving in my imagination because of this music. It's just so loud and thunderous. And it celebrates each time I save anyone in the gym, especially that gorgeous lady on that treadmill over there. Now, your cardio should be done at least three or four times a week. Cardio is something that can be done uh, very frequently. Many people do it every day. I wouldn't advise you run a marathon every day. And I don't do cardio anywhere near as much as I should. Why don't I do cardio as much as I should? Well, it comes down to five or so reasons. I don't have enough time. I think it's boring. I'm self-conscious about how I look. I'm too tired after work. And I am sometimes too lazy. All the standard excuses that we all use, I can sometimes find myself using them when it comes to skipping out on my cardio. Now, I've said that strength training should be done about two or three times a week, at my age anyway, and 
Cardio should be done about three or four times a week. But flexibility and balance activities should be done every single day. The more we keep our joints moving, the better they can move, as I've indicated before. Moving joints is the key to everything, and keeping your joints moving is what you want to do. Sitting for long periods of time is not what you want to do. Just being sedentary is not what you want to do. You want to walk around your house. You want to engage in conversation with movement. You want to do anything you can that gets your joints moving. And I would recommend just getting on the floor and stretching everything you have for a little while in any way. There's no formula or prescribed right way to get those joints moving. It's all right. Just keep your joints moving, flexible, and try to increase your range of motion. Work on your balance. These things should be done every day. My wife will often see me rolling around the floor if I've had a fairly quiet, sedentary day. In the evening, I will roll around on the floor trying to get everything moving in odd ways just to get those joints in a place that they haven't been throughout the day. This is good for the joints. Use your body. Play with the joints, the movements, and just experiment with where your stresses and strains are as you move around. Growing older educates us more about who we are. The more we live with ourselves, the more we know about ourselves. I've been living with myself for 66 years, and I've been studying myself throughout most of that time. This has given me valuable information as to how to manage me. Not just manage me and my fitness, but manage many aspects about me. The more I know about me, the better I can manage who I am. I've studied my reasons for working out. I've studied the ways I worked out. I've studied so many things about me. It's not another person that I'm concerned about in these studies. I am unique, just as you are. You have special qualities and characteristics that you need to understand. Trying to get and understand these things from a standard book that applies to everyone doesn't quite work for many of us. We find ourselves in, with unique thinking patterns, unique motivations, and non-standard sets of thinking. You have to understand who you are if you're going to succeed at managing you and producing your best life. And your best life is an active engaged one with physical activity all around it. The human body was never meant to be sedentary. We're designed to run, designed to lift, designed to interact with the world we live in. This is the body we've been given. To do right by this body, we must use it to engage our world and the things around us. Fitness is just a part of this picture. I hope you have heard something in this short discussion on exercise that can benefit you as you bring it into your life. At least that was my aim. I will include 
the key points that I've mentioned here in the show notes page. You can also tell me about your experiences in these areas by leaving a comment or giving us some feedback as to how you might have reacted to this information. If you value my opinion and want to ask a question, feel free again to do that on the show notes page. I will try to answer whatever question you put to me. And you can find the show notes page for this episode at innergameofaging.com forward slash IGA19. I encourage you to share these podcasts as well as the Grow Older Not Old message. I'm sure you know people who can truly benefit from this information. And you will see social network sharing buttons that make it easy for you to share the podcast on each show notes page. I've also updated the show notes page to provide improved embedding for these episodes on your site. If you have been a guest on this podcast or you would like to curate an episode on your website, this improvement should make it easy for you to do that. Look for this in the listen, subscribe, and share box that now appears on each show notes page. If you would like to contact me directly, you can do so with lee at innergameofaging.com. Or you may want to ping me on Twitter and connect with me there. At Lee Moat is how you would do that. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Inner Game of Aging podcast with Lee Moat. Check out more content by going to theinnergameofaging.com. That's theinnergameofaging, no spaces, dot com. Stay with us as we learn the many ways of being older without growing old.